I'm Phil DeLuca. I'm Sean Watson. And I'm Shivam Putt. And we are Commander in. I didn't laugh, Shivam. Finally. Thanks for listening, everybody. We put a spotlight on community issues, but never, ever do we talk about three banned topics. (laughs) Religion, politics, and Hearthstone. That is true. (laughs) It is very true. (laughs) Um, A lot of people have asked us how to support the podcast, and really, the best way to support the podcast is to leave five-star ratings on all of the places where you get your podcast from, whether it's iTunes or... uh, overcast or anything like that you can also tell your friends about us that's awesome and feel free to send them the mp3 is all 50 to 70 megabytes of it through email because that's the best way always um (laughs) (laughs) or just the link your friends in mp3 yeah maybe not maybe not but the link is fine um for people who really love the podcast such as our guest we'll get to that in a minute you can go to patreon.com slash commander and MTG, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com commander and MTG, slash commander and MTG. And uh, let us uh, know you're there by donating even a buck a show. You could even cap that at a buck a month. If everybody, gentlemen, who listens to this show gave us a buck a month, we could quit our jobs and do this full time and that's not true. suffer a loss in quality of uh, life. Yeah, the, that, uh, that would be a neat trick. Yeah, wouldn't it? Uh, but that would that would mean everybody listening goes up, gives us a buck a month. You could just cap it to that, and that'll be fine. Um, and uh, we might even do that if that were to happen. We'll let you know when thousands upon thousands of listeners do that. So, if you see us wearing fur coats, uh, you know what's happened. Yeah, fake we are, fur, obviously. We are then we're not monsters living the podcast life in a northern clime. Because if you catch me wearing a <laughs> fur coat. I've been to Los Angeles. Fur coats are not de rigueur dress in, in no. that city. No, but you can wear a cooling vest underneath it, and then everything's all right. And then you look And then eat trashy. one of them tacos and yeah. sweat to death. A street taco or a street dog. We are not easily distracted, listeners. In the meantime... Ooh, shiny. Don't forget to visit us on YouTube. Comment, rate, and subscribe. And this is absolutely crazy but play the episodes to the end because that really matters. YouTube actually cares about that. So we mentioned we have a wonderful show lined up and we teased that someone is uh, a guest on the show. It's me. (laughs) We are going to talk about new commander players and their level up moments. And we're probably going to end up just talking about new commander players and giving them general advice too. So this is an episode to share with your friends, especially if they're new players or thinking about getting into it. To do and this... If you're an old player, if you're an old player, listen anyway, because there might be some stuff that you've forgotten uh, that lets you think about how and why you play. Also, it turns out magic decks need lands. <laughs> Just saying. I've, I've forgotten this more than once while I was building a new deck, and I yeah. got to 100 cards, and it's like, oh... Hmm. I did that the first time I built Talon. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. (laughs) So to talk about all of this wonderful new player uh, advice and other topics, we've brought on David Mitchell, who is a super patron. We've mentioned David before. He donated at the level where he could just tell us what to talk about. And (laughs) this is perhaps the first of two or three episodes where he tells us what to talk about. So... Everyone has a price. Ours is quite cheap. <laughs> and and David found ours, too. It was hey, just right on. Deciding for new British. show plans is the hardest part of this job, so if somebody wants to help us, we are all about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, say hi. Hello. Thank you for having Woo. me on. It's our pleasure. That's- our pleasure, sir. For British listeners uh, who were expecting the comedian, writer, and uh, yeah. sitcom actor David Mitchell, 
you'll be disappointed about now to hear a Canadian voice coming through the microphone. It's not too disappointing. No, they'll actually, they'll actually be pleased that it's a Canadian That's right. voice. That's right. <laughs> it's better than an American voice to our British listeners. <laughs> so, David, now you have an interesting history with magic, don't you? Uh, well, for the past 20 years, uh, I have been a magician. I used to perform. Oh. Uh, and, then, and then I got tired of performing and hustling for my paycheck. So I actually hooked up with a, uh, a company that produces magic playing cards and, and such. Uh, and I've been working with them for the past 14 years. And you mean magic in the sense of prestidigitation and stage show tricks? and Not so much stage show. Uh, the, the box magic uh, that we like to call it, uh, that's a, a different... Uh, genre. Yeah, he just cut your wife. That'd, that'd be that'd be like Yu-Gi-Oh in Magic: The Gathering. You just you can't compare the two. But uh, I'm more of a, a close-up cards, coins, uh, you know, little things you can hold in your hands and, and, and do in situations that are you know close up with uh, in, in front of small crowds, like sleight of hand style stuff. Exactly the the stuff David Blaine used to do on his specials, uh, you know, 15 years ago. Cool. <laughs> I love I saw card David tricks. Blaine. I, I'm a... always easily amused by them. And it's just, it's so much fun to watch people who are really good at it, like manipulate decks without you even understanding what's going on. Well, one of the things that I liked about it was not the tricks, but the psychology of why the tricks worked. Mm. Uh, you know, learning, learning this stuff is easy. Learning why it works uh, is the stuff that really intrigues me the most. It's amazing how much your brain actually sabotages you <laughs> into, into thinking what I want you to think. And and that's the, that's the wonderful thing with this is that being able to perform a trick and and have the the method like exposed in front of you sometimes your brain just doesn't ex- accept what it's seeing uh and i've had instances where people have seen you know the 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 doodad i guess and they just couldn't figure out what it was so they just ignored it and said well that trick was impossible so it's it's a very it's a wonderful it's a wonderful uh hobby slash uh pastime and i've met many people many wonderful magicians uh because of it you know some are some are my close friends I've seen um, um, things that would just make jaws drop, uh, and I I couldn't I, I couldn't wish for a better you know t- past twenty years. That's really cool. So uh, you mentioned David Blaine. Then I'm going to tell a very very quick anecdote. So you remember when he did his stunt where he was suspended in a plastic box for forty days in London? Yeah, yeah. I used to live uh, walk past that on my way to work every <laughs> like day. So David I saw Blaine that used literally to on every... me on my way to work. Well, if you want a, a perfect summarization of the British culture and our irreverence to all things, one morning I walked by and he's up in 50 foot in the air in his see-through plastic box and someone had a remote control helicopter of a McDonald's Happy Meal box <laughs> flying it around the box in circles. <laughs> and I stood there and I was proud to be an Englishman that day. That's great. Nowadays, um, it would just be a drone hovering there forever. <laughs> yes, it's true. And David, you mentioned that you like to do a lot of close-up tricks where uh, people's brains don't want to see something. Recently, <laughs> right. recently, I've been playing a lot of close-up tricks where people with cards with the, that people uh, their brains don't want to see that. Um, I built a version of Sean's Itali deck, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, and people look at it and just are like, no, that 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 doesn't exist, and that's not allowed to exist. And then it proceeds to do some wonderful things. And um, I really like Boomer Bust, and um, <laughs> my uh, my most fun is uh, I boiled somebody's islands, and it was like half their lands. It was beautiful. It crippled oh, them. Oh God! <laughs> they sit there and they said, "There's no mass land destruction spell yeah. that only yeah. costs one and a red." I don't believe you. Yeah. That card doesn't exist. <laughs> No, it no. says impending disaster. No, you made that <laughs> up. <laughs> so now, how did you get into Magic the Gathering, David? Um, well, one of the perks, uh, if you want to call it a perk, about working from home, because that's I work for a, an online company, is that you're you're literally always alone. Mm. Uh, and I just I needed to get out of the house, and I I tried going to the gym to work out, but it turns out people don't want to talk to you in the gym; they just want to grunt and lift their weights. <laughs> so, so uh, believe it or not, it was uh, Sean. I think his name Sean Plot. Yeah, with Spell Slingers on YouTube. Oh, yeah, that I started. I just I don't know why it showed up in my feed, but I started watching it, and it was such it was so well done that I started. I watched all the yeah, seasons. Day nine. 
Yeah, day nine. Yeah, and and I figured, okay, well, let's just give this a shot. Uh, and I phoned around to see if there was a local comic uh, uh, comic book store. I didn't know where it was played. Turns out it was a comic book store. Uh, but went in, met some wonderful people. They hooked me up with some cards. They they tried to get me into standard, but I just I didn't have the time for standard. Also, <laughs> uh, you didn't want to remortgage they, your house, or that that too as well. But if if you could. Uh, if you could see my collection now, um, well, let's just <laughs> yeah, not go right? there, actually. The, the wife might be able to hear me. Yeah, this is on the <laughs> air. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't cost anything, darling. They're, they're just cardboard. But, yeah, so so what he did was he introduced me to Commander, uh, the store owner. I uh, said, yeah, come out on this day. You know, this is what, the, what deck you need. And I've been hooked ever since. It's basically all I've played. I've, I'm exclusively Commander. Nice. Nice. And how many Commander decks do you have? You How long have you been playing, actually? When was that? Uh, 2015, the oh. summer. So just, it's coming up on three years. Yeah, wow. so that's cool. After three years, you must have seven or eight decks, right? Oh, you don't want to know how many. <laughs> I have I have every every pre-con. Sure. Uh, and then another 15 decks on top of that. <laughs> I mean... Now, when you say you have every pre-con, is that every pre-con that's been fleshed out, changed, fully upgraded... No, no. Uh, sometimes I like to play what we call Virgin Magic uh, or Virgin Commander, and I just bring in a couple of the precons, and that way everybody's playing from the same, you know, I wouldn't say power playing level, but field. from the same genre. Right. And as <laughs> as a result, you don't have like somebody new playing against some like somebody's uh, you know Angus McKenzie deck. Right. I do that all the time uh, as well. It's just I find it's like if somebody wants to play Magic and they don't have a deck, it's just easier to have these pre-built that have been roughly balanced against each other in the environment, kind of just sitting there. So you're like, okay, we're basically at a level playing field more or less. So you can just uh, have the experience without worrying about deck building. Exactly. And and I'm such a feature at the store now is that people know I've got more than one deck with me all the time. Uh, and you will even play Plane Chase, Plane Chase Virgin Commander. I love oh, Plane Chase. Good fun though, yeah. Plane Chase Commander is basically my new favorite way to play all the time. Because it keeps it from getting boring. Not that Commander's ever boring, but it also means that when you go to, I don't know, Phyrexia, everything crazy happens. <laughs> hmm. it, it's it's fun until you learn, you lose to your own phage on turn three because it entered for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you gotta that's, live on the edge a little. That's awesome. <laughs> now, when you, when you start uh, playing Commander with people, do you uh, tell them about the different types of Commander, or do you just start firing it up with some precons? When you say different types, what do you mean? You want to introduce the game to either new new Commander players or new Magic players in general. So you have the precons, right? Right. Which are all fairly well-balanced against each other, especially uh, the most recent ones. So w- when you get them started do you explain that we're going to play a casual game oh yeah yeah i always say it's casual with the exception of one or two players who come in uh it's always casual they take their time they're always trying to have have more fun and that's what i think i value most about this this version of the game is that commanders i think is more about relationships than it is about your win-loss record mm. Mm, that makes a lot yes of sense. i 100 percent agree yeah absolutely what we tend to talk about on the show, and in fact, so far exclusively talk about on the show, is kind of that casual version of Commander. And that's our really um, our first topic for new players is, you know, ex- kind of explaining the difference, especially if you're a brand new player to Commander. There are multiple variations of, of EDH. It's also called EDH, which stands for Elder Dragon Highlander. Sometimes Elder Dinosaur Highlander. Yes, <laughs> Elder Dinosaur Highlander. And uh, Itali's a great commander everybody knew, so go out, get it, build a deck around it. It's great. Indeed. Throw, throw all the red mass land destruction and no one will mind. Um, nah, everyone yeah, loves so it. So Phil came to visit my store <laughs> lately, and we decided we would play some commander together, and he had Sean's uh, Itali deck. And I have to tell you, I have not had so much fun losing to a deck as I have losing to Itali. Just because it was so ridiculous. Like, uh-oh, what's he going to flip off the top of my deck to beat me with? What's he going to flip off his deck? Oh God! Oh God! What's going to happen? It and just every turn was hilarious. It was amazing. <laughs> I, I found that um, in in a multiplayer game, especially where we've got like you know four, maybe even five players, there's an awful lot of flipping off. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So, 
<laughs> we'll talk about Itali. I actually think we should put Itali on a watch list at some point in the future, but we'll get there. I was speaking, just to finalize, I was speaking to a friend of the show, uh, Robin Kass, uh, who messaged me saying he was playing uh, a version of my deck. And he said, people got wrecked, there were salty tears, and I felt like Emperor Palpatine all night. It was glorious. <laughs> so... There you no. go. Dark, deep Sith Lord. So the version of Commander we end up talking about is that very casual version. And it's uh, Elder Dragon Highlander, as we said before. And um, it's kind of the quote-unquote original Commander format. It was popularized by frequent guest and friend of our show, Sheldon Mennery and the Judge community. Um, and for uh, that version, and you want to see how to build decks uh, in that version, go to mtgcommander.net. And the other versions, just so that you're familiar with it, is uh, one is competitive EDH or CEDH, and that's where it uses the same rules basically, but it it's geared toward winning fast. That the, those are games that we're going to win by turn six at the latest. Uh, it feels like legacy when you play it. Yeah. Um, and then the other is dual commander, which is a one versus one commander format. They have their own. Uh, ban list and there's still a hundred card singleton format but it's very much we're going to play dual magic and we're using commander decks to do it and that one's sometimes called french commander yeah that's french commander yes yeah uh, but the proper so name if someone is says dual french commander. commander they mean dual commander yeah le dual um and so the one we're talking about today and offering advice for is baseline edh slash commander it's the casual format in fact it's the one we've been talking about for two years for yeah for two years in fact well we've mentioned other formats but never covered it so hey everybody else if you want to hear us cover it let us know um cedh has become pretty popular recently for magic players and people getting into commander you need to understand that edh is actually different from all of these other formats games go longer because it's a format for three or more players with 40 life each. So if the four of us were playing and David, you wanted to win as you know, most people do who play commander, which is also another interesting difference. Not everybody wants to win. They just want to play David. You would have to do about 120 points of damage (laughs) to, to end the game. And unless you win by commander damage, in which case you might only have to do 63 points of damage. Only 63. (laughs) Only. And so even if you win by commander damage, you're still doing three times more damage than a, a standard duel in magic, whether it's limited or constructed of some other format. So because of that, card valuation doesn't really depend as heavily on converted mana costs, so the total cost of your card. In a lot of formats, such as uh, Modern, when we are doing a Modern MTG podcast, or Legacy, a three-cost card is actually pretty expensive in those formats, usually, unless you have a way to cheat it in. And so um, those formats are fast. They need inexpensive cards. You look at a recent card like Fatal Push, which is an uncommon, and it's still, it's at $7 right now. Is it really still? Well, it's a modern staple now. Yeah, it's a modern staple. It's also it's also played in uh, Legacy because it's a one point kills CMC two or less creatures, right? It says kill yeah. target Tarmogoyf. Yeah, basically. Mm. We got advice from someone named Warcow. Cards like Lightning Bolt, Shock, Burst Lightning, a, a lot of cards like that that are just absolute staples. Even the aforementioned Fatal Push. Not so good here in Commander. Yeah. It's generally, mm. cards that only target one thing are not worth your time. Yeah. Because when you're playing in a massively multiplayer game like Commander, uh, killing one person's one creature doesn't do anything about the 450 other creatures that are on the table. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there are exceptions to this. So they, as far as spot removal goes, yeah. so things that exile creatures are generally valued. So swords to plowshares... Uh, Path to Exile are the two big ones you'll see. Yeah, those are those are staples in the format as well, and in white especially, obviously. But otherwise, inexpensive in terms of mana cost cards like that don't generally have as big an impact on our format. Getting rid of some big bruiser, absolutely, especially as Sean said with Exile, but we'll get into that a little bit later too. Um, 
board wipes are a lot more important than targeted removal in many cases, right? You'll always have to get rid of something like an Avacyn or uh, an Avenger of Zendikar or you know, <laughs> another card like that. But usually our format, because it goes on longer, we have more creatures and many of them are tokens. Um and the best way to deal with that is usually a board wipe of some sort. So Wrath of – I was going to say Wrath of the Gods. <laughs> wrath cool. of God, uh, Judgment Day, a whole bunch. Damn. Damnation. damnation. Oh, damnation. Nearly every color has some form of card that will let you reset the table. Either be uh, like Cyclonic Rift that bounces oh. everything back to your hand or your um, – <laughs> you know, wild storms or what have you that just do tons and tons of damage to everything on the table or destroy everything on the table just so that you can do that. So really every deck, almost every deck wants to have at least some kind of board wipe. And there's so many board wipes that have been printed in Magic now that even decks like full-on token decks can still make board wipes because there are board wipes that'll create tokens as part of the effect. Yeah. Like, uh, Marshall Koo. Yeah. One of my favorite yeah. cards. It's a great or, card. Or uh, Azuri's Predation. That gives you a whole bunch of uh, wolves to go fight with the things. Yeah, and when we're talking a little bit later about uh, card selection, we'll get into some cards like that because if mm. your card does more than one thing, it's a really useful card here in Commander, even if it costs a little bit more than you would play in a modern or uh, limited uh, format. Exactly. Or other competitive constructed format. In those formats, artifact and enchantment removal, those are sideboard cards. But here, oh, oh here. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to get rid of that paradox engine. Um, <laughs> yeah, the paradox lightning engine. greaves, the paradox engine, the your... hall of gemstone. <laughs> yeah. All of these cards. You're just going to have to vaporize them at some point. All of those seriously frustrating prison cards that just prevent you from attacking the pillow forts. Mm-hmm. What's um, that? Uh, the one that everyone always destroys in mine, Grave Pact. <laughs> or Skull Clamp. It trashes my Grave Pact. Yeah, so we many artifacts and enchantments away. are linchpins to our strategies in Commander, and uh, you're going to have to have a way to remove them. Um, there are a few juicy cards like that, and remember the Graveyard is really accessible, so find other ways <laughs> to get rid of them, exile or even throwing it into the deck. So now that you understand the differences between the different types of Commander and the different types of Magic from Commander, the thing that you'll the, the next most important thing you can do is find the right group. And you need to find a group that either has somebody who's experienced and is tolerant of new players, or is a group of new players. Essentially, you have to make sure that your group is tolerant of new players because you're going to do a lot of reading. (laughs) (laughs) And as a new player, even if you've got a lot of magic experience, and frankly, we still do it, when we see a card, we're going to need to take time to understand it because, again, these commander cards, they do a lot of things, and so that means it's a wall of text or it has a lot of text on it at the very least. Or the implications aren't always directly obvious. Like Lightning Bolt, really easy, right? Something like... Chain, chains of Mephisto. <laughs> yeah, Chains of Mephistopheles. Or Chain oh. Lightning even is complicated oh, the first time goodness. you see it. Uh, so common mistakes I see new players make and uh, experienced players should be tolerant of this stuff is missing stuff like the difference between an Enter the Battlefield trigger and a Cast trigger. Yes. Big one, that one. Um, Small nuances and semantics in how a card's timing works or when a trigger happens or goes on the stack. If you see someone... If you're a new player and you misplay a card and someone is um, rude about it, just, you know, say, I'm new. Do you want to roll that back or wind your neck in a bit, fella? Uh, Or lady? Uh, and if you're an experienced player and you see it, just say, oh, that's not how that works. Do you want to put it back in your hand? Or right, do you wanna... exactly. And, and explain why it didn't work that way. One of the things is that there's always going to be, um, there are always going to be cards that you play that you don't realize, oh, that had hex proof. Or, oh, you know, I can't actually play this right now because the timing is off. Or I don't have, I happen to need an artifact to target to make this work. In those cases, like in 
you know, more experienced play, you'd be like, sorry, man, your spell fizzled. But with new players, and especially with a format that's casual focus like EDH, you definitely want to give people a chance to say, you know what, it's okay, you can take that back. It We'll just, you know, give you a freebie on that one and we'll do it again. Because there's so many cards in EDH that are there, it's impossible for even experienced players to know everything. And for new players who've got to look at, like, you know, four different boards with a million different cards, some might be in different languages or different printings or what have you, It you want to be more forgiving and you want to be willing to sit there and say, you know, it's okay that you didn't understand that this has hexproof because of the enchantment that's buried under the pile of lands over there. It happens. <laughs> Especially, like, yeah. in EDH, all the time, the tables just get really messy. We, because we're casual, we almost always will let someone take something back, mm. uh, especially if it's an obvious misplay or, again, they didn't understand the interactions. Uh, I find in, in our group, missed triggers are the biggest thing, yeah. uh, where they didn't gain life, didn't generate a token or, you know, something, you know, they didn't draw a card. We'll, sometimes we'll let them go ahead and, okay, go ahead and do it. You know, it's no big deal, but we will, we'll remind them, keep track of your triggers. You gotta, you gotta remember what you're doing. Uh, and there's little hints you can do, like everybody puts a dice on top of their exactly. deck, mm-hmm. uh, th- things like that. If it's a, if it's something that um, is a game changer and it didn't quite work the way it was supposed to, we usually have it down to a vote. You know, like if you played something but didn't realize it was going to wipe your stuff as well, <laughs> then you know you may have to to just live with the repercussions of that. Well, yeah, I mean, but again, it's a, magic, right? it's a learning so, experience, right? How I deal with that one as an experienced player, if I see someone do something that's they've not misplayed, so they're not breaking the rules and mechanics of the game, it's just you know a bad play, and it's obvious that it's a bad play because they've not understood the card. Yeah, I will often say to them this question: Are you sure you want to do that? And if they go, yeah, I'll say, Are you really sure? Have you read the card? Are you sure you want to do that? And I'll ask them three times, and if three <laughs> times they say. Yeah, I want to do that. I'll let them resolve it. <laughs> um, right. And that, like, people that play with me regularly have taken that as a, oh, let me just check. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, I walked into something really bad. Hang on. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, putting something on top of your deck to remind yourself that, oh, at the beginning of a turn, I get a free whatever it is, or I put a negative one counter on something. That is one of the most helpful mnemonics I have found. Just because... It forces you to recall, like, for instance, if you play a pact, one of the spells that says, do this for free, and at the beginning of your next turn, pay its monocost or lose the game, I like to, instead of putting the card in the the graveyard, I put it on top of my deck just to remind myself that, oh, let me pay this two and two green so I don't die. How about that? (laughs) So this is is a fine level up moment because um, when you miss... When you miss like your hundredth or two hundredth um, <laughs> upkeep trigger, which is kind of what we're all talking about here, by simply drawing your card and now you have information that you you couldn't have, you know, because you looked at the top card of your deck, it's really too late to go back and make a decision about whether or not you were going to uh, fulfill an upkeep trigger, right? Right. And so uh, we have two level up moments here, and. When you have something that says at the beginning of your upkeep or for some cards, uh, uh, if you don't do something before your draw step, make sure you take a card and you put it on top of your library and you say, this is actually on the battlefield. It's here so I can remember. Or like Shivam was saying, some people will take dice and put them on top of their deck so that you have to move the dice. Mm. And in the act of moving the dice, believe it or not, you're like... Why am I moving these dice? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I do it with rebound spells a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all the time. On top of the library. Rebound spells are so frustrating because sometimes you just forget and you miss the reason you played it in the first place, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, can I give a little flip side of the takesies backsies rule that I apply to myself? So if I make a mistake... Um, that isn't going to, you know, cripple the game. And I keep making that mistake in multiple different games with the same card. I will eventually, even if my opponent says, I'll oh, just take it back, not take it back right. and suffer the side effect of it. Because that way, I'll learn not to make that mistake. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe next time don't play the Pyroclasm into your tokens deck. 
<laughs> well, unless you can make them indestructible. Yeah, but remember to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, remember, sometimes it's very important the order you play your cards in. Yeah. Just saying. Me, just saying. <laughs> I did the same thing uh, the other night, and this is, you know, we're now talking about the second level up moment, which is the no backsies rule, right? Mm-hmm. Where I played a card, and I was like, why did I do that? That was the most <laughs> stupid thing I could have done. And they were like, do you want to take it back? And I was like, no, no, I did it. No, just, I'm going to eat that, and that's yeah. just going to and, sit with me. And eat it I did. I don't know if you remember the picture I sent to the patron chat group with uh, my three friends still playing magic. Yeah. And that actually, that's a good level up moment because that sharpens your skills overall. You you really start to pay more attention to the board state. And um, when we say board state, we mean what's on the board. And... Um, all sorts of other other things. You've really become a better player just by saying, I'm not going to take anything back. But don't do that in your first few games. Please. Just remember, guys, salt adds seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> One of the things our group does is we actually remind everybody of everybody else's triggers. Mm. Uh, so, so, like, if I uh, have, uh, you know... a, a extra card draw on board i'll say hey did you draw your card did you draw your extra card did you draw your... I'll, I'll now remind people and after like you know 20 times of doing that if if they don't remember on turn 21 well that's their fault now yep but it's there are times where where it's exactly there's just so many things on the board that you can't keep track of everything uh you know when you've got like 60 cards to you know of yours and they've got 40 and, and so on. It's it's just impossible to keep up. And I've I've missed life gain triggers. I've missed, you know, sacrifice <laughs> triggers. We've all done it. But it's nice to have, you know, to have other people help you with that as well. Yeah, yeah it's um as far as the rules go and missed triggers um it's sort of everybody's responsibility mm. to point out Well, and the activate the may triggers uh, are one thing, but it's the one where, like, on your upkeep sacrifice, those are the ones we have to enforce because that's the rules of the game, right? Yes. So the ones where you have no choice, those that we enforce those, and the may, like, if you miss it, you miss it. If you, you know, you remember, you you remember. I've seen, um, not in my regular playing group, I've seen people, like, playing against a Shaildred who, like, the opponent has just moved on past their upkeep and said, well, um, I'm not going to sacrifice creature because it's your responsibility to remind me that trigger's there. Which, in some respects, is true. But in other respects, don't be a... Follow, don't be that Follow Whedon's yeah. law. Um, yeah, don't be pedantic about this stuff. But yeah. it's also, though, like, you know, there's things like Ristic Study, for instance... Where sometimes it helps to remind people, like, hey, are you going to pay the one to draw the card? But sometimes you also just kind of want to forget. You just want to forget. Plus, you're also playing a card like Rhystic Study to be annoying. So every time (laughs) they cast something, you go, hey, you're going to pay the tax. And it it pauses them and they lose their momentum. And so uh, it's actually a really good disruptive technique, too. We Uh should sell a T-shirt that's just blue and just says, pay the one. Question mark, <laughs> and it just saves people to point at it rather than just save some time of saying it. <laughs> I know what you're getting for your birthday. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I would uh, never play a card like Christic Study with uh, index that I don't have blue in. <laughs> so yeah, in a in a nice casual meta, everybody reminds uh, everybody else of their missed triggers. Sometimes it's fun to sit down at a game and say, okay, everybody, there's going to be no backsies this game because we're all going to try to improve as a player. And then and then you'll see how many times you're like, oh, let me just draw a card because I missed that. And it's like, nope, you don't get to do that. You um, will become a better player in that environment. Yeah. But don't do that right away and certainly don't do it with somebody who knows the rules back and forth uh, and you haven't at least attempted to do that. So, yeah. I know we've spoken about the right meta for a while, but is here the right place to talk about mass land destruction? Because hmm. I think that is a meta. Thing. Oh, right. Yeah, that is a meta call. There are a couple of strategies in Magic 
the two that spring to mind, Commander specifically, the two that spring to mind is Mass Land Destruction and what's called Stacks, which is tied into Mass Land Destruction, but not the same, um, that are frowned upon at a lot of metas and in a lot of groups. Uh, so Mass Land Destruction are spells that destroy all the land on the table. A lot of groups have a soft ban on those. If you have them in your deck, it's worth just, even if it's a beginner player, it's worth just saying, does anybody mind if I have mass land destruction spells? And it might be worth almost sidebar, sidebarring, um, sideboarding, sorry, get my words wrong, a few cards to replace if you've only got like one or two decks because you've only just started playing that you can switch them out. Stacks decks as well, uh, I think we'll probably talk about when we talk about choosing your commander, but it's worth just having a conversation about mass land destruction. Also, if and... you're a new player playing a stacks deck, I'm just questioning the person teaching you how to play. I've <laughs> yeah, I've seen people though who have <laughs> been taught by utter spikes and new players that don't know that that's not how. Yeah, like that's not no, how like, everybody plays magic. It turns out that yeah. the goal the goal of the game is not to make everybody else cry as it happens. <laughs> well, a lot of people from uh, the more vicious formats will actually come in and they'll build their first commander deck and they're like, "Look, isn't this great?" And like they play stasis and, and you're like, mm. and not the play other light and infinite turns." Yeah, and that's because they come from a format where that's totally acceptable because dudes yeah. we are going to murder each other, and in uh, in commander not so much because we're here to play magic. And also, um, it's harder to murder each other because there's multiple players and yeah. extra life and less deck consistency. Well, that probably brings us on to deck and commander selection, doesn't it? Indeed it does. The question you face as you you found the right people you're going to play with is, how do you select a deck to play with? David, what do you recommend? For for a new player, the simplest deck, I think, is the way to go. Uh, and I have a lot of simple decks. Like there, There's no real theme to them. They're just fun cards. They do things, and you, you get to know what the game is. It's, I have a, a white one, a blue one, and a black one. It's just full of fun cards, a wide variety of things. Uh, because I think the biggest hindrance, which you've already touched on, was just trying to figure out what all the cards do. Mm-hmm. And I remember my first few games, I spent more time reading than I spent playing. And I'm lucky that I was with a bunch of gracious players that you know recognized that and were able to like you know just take the time to explain things to me and be patient with me. Uh, I've seen players in you know who play at the store I go to that aren't very graceful with that. Uh, and they'll you know hurry up, hurry up, you know. And that's not what really the game is about for me. So uh, I remember giving out one of my black decks. Uh, and it was just a simple life gain, life drain deck. Um, and I remember the player, uh, when he was playing with it, he looked over at me and said, like, this is a really fun deck. I like this. Thank you. Uh, and he had just purchased, like, the uh, the 2018 Vampire deck, and that's all he was playing with. Um, and you could tell he was new because how long it took him to understand his own deck. And I think moving to a simpler deck was good for him as well, being able to to see what else is out there, the interactions and such. And it's to the point now where I, I talk to him all the time, and he's he's got the deck building fever now. He's you know got like three additional ones in addition to the vampire deck that he has. Very nice. I think one of the things that's important about uh, selecting a deck, especially for a new player, is generally I like to. When I'm introducing a new player to Commander, and I assume that they have familiarity with Magic, at least at a base level, I like to sit there and have like a handful of very different Commanders, and I show them that card and say, look, this deck is generally built around making this card do its thing. Either it's going to be like, uh, you know, Animar, play a lot of creatures and big things will happen, or Titania, play a lot of lands and weird things will happen, you know, and I try to avoid giving them control decks or like really reactionary decks that force you to understand the rest of the game. Because in Commander, (laughs) it's so hard to just understand your own table that I think that as a new player, it's really good to get a deck that just lets you play the field directly in front of you and not worry too much about what other people are doing. Not necessarily like to create a combo or to make it solitaire, but more to just say, hey, look, my deck is creature-based. My deck has very easy to understand interactions when i play a creature all my guys get plus one plus one you know that sort of thing and i find that it helps them get into this uh, flow of the game more it gives them an understanding that oh in commander you pull your general out of the command zone pretty frequently because yeah there are decks that obviously you may not want to pull your 
uh, commander out or that don't use a commander at all except for colors, etc. But you want to, at least when you're starting, you want to give people a reason why we're playing commander. And part of that is the commander itself. In commander, when you're introducing somebody, using a straightforward commander that has a very easy to understand plan is a good way to go. So phage the untouchable then. <laughs> yeah, so so going off of that, my mono black commander, or one of them anyways, is uh, Cezanne Perverter of Truth. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of each player's upkeep, they lose two life and draw two cards. Um, and that it's... My entire deck is based around them losing life, drawing cards, and if they lose life or draw cards, I gain life. Sure. Um, it, and that's that's the whole premise, and it's very simple to follow, um, and it it works well. And this was the the deck that my friend had been playing, and he said like he wanted to to build something similar, uh, except he was going uh, black white. Mm. And my mono blue, Cure the Glass Spinner, uh, where you know the first time you target something, it, it becomes uh, blocked. Yeah, Kira, or... Kira is not. No. Kira is not an introductory. Kira. Oh, it's not I have a lovely Kira deck, gents. <laughs> like, are you checking to see if we're listening? No. No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's it's not it's not supported with a bunch of like other creatures that you would find in most decks. Like most of the time, you're in, you actually steal other people's things. Uh, so it's a control just, deck. That, I, well, okay. I guess you're gonna you got me there. It's a, not a control deck. In the sense that that's how it was built, right? It was built as a, as a way of protecting my creatures from from being removed or targeted uh, the first time. And by your creatures, you mean the creatures you've stolen from other people? Okay. Yes, and and there are my own creatures being played as well. I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to pick on you. You did you did ask us to help you with this, but goodness gracious, man, you Kira, cannot have picked a more complicated, yeah. listeners, tricky keep, commander. Kira the Great Glass Spinner is a very fun commander. After you've gotten a few months of play under your belt, and you're probably playing, you know, in a meta that has someone like Sean Watson, or apparently David Mitchell in it, because, you know, uh, then you can see it. And uh, oh god, okay. <laughs> quick! I was, I mean, here I was thinking more like, you know, hey, uh, why don't Perforous. you just use Kalia of the Vast? She's an easy to understand commander, and you're like, why don't you use Kira, great glass spinner? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess, simple is subjective at this fair, point. Fair. Yeah, three years in, simple is a little bit different. So, quick, um, quick roundtable question. Not no anecdotes, just quick far answer. What was the first commander deck you brewed that wasn't a precon? Mine was Lazav Demir Mastermind. Phil. Mine was the Mimeoplasm. Even though it comes in a precon, I didn't know that, didn't have the precon, and I built around it. Um, mm-hmm. Mine was uh, Grimgrin. Nice. Oh, no, the first one I ever built was actually Tajik. There you go. <laughs> for, for me, I mashed together the blue and black 2014 precons, but the first deck I ever actually put thought into was um, uh, Miraki Reberay. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that's the, I still have that original deck. I still play it all the time. It's one of my favorite decks to play. Nice. Also, not a straightforward deck, <laughs> you sir. But it was deviant. it was my 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 second deck that I ever created. David is actually mm. a reincarnated uh, hardcore Magic player. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> <laughs> when like, he yeah, started. Well, <laughs> I use my uh, Narset deck as an intro for other people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't worry. It just plays itself. Narset <laughs> deck. Um, so I guess what we're saying is if you know what kind of magic you like to play, you want to pick something uh, that suits that. And precons are good for that. Friends decks, like uh, maybe you could borrow your friend's Kira, the Great Glass Spinner um, <laughs> deck. Um, and uh, in general... Uh, if you select a commander or uh, play someone's deck that has fewer colors in it, so yeah, like a one-color deck or a two-color deck, then your mana bases are a lot easier to put together. Don't do what important. I did. The first ever commander deck I ever played was my friend lent me his five-color Scarecrow deck with uh, oh, the Jesus. dude from Shadowmoor or whatever, and Ripper I was King. just completely lost. I had no idea. And he was like, yeah, it's a Scarecrow deck, but it's not really a Scarecrow deck. It's a five-color nonsense deck. And I'm like, what in the hell is even happening? <laughs> yeah. I could not. I No, don't do that to people, man. <laughs> don't do that to people. Um, yeah, and the more colors you add, I mean, Mana Screw is already kind of, that's Mana Screw is where, well, that's one way of, of putting it. 
Um, you is where you don't get the right color lands to play the spells you need. And even if you're playing in a limited game, you know that if you're going to go outside of two colors, unless the set is really built to support that, you've right. You 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 probably shouldn't do that. Um, maybe a splash here and there, but not like, hey, I'm going to go three colors, and you know each of them has the right emphasis. Like I have done many times, and still do in limited play. Um, but even, you know, and, but so with more colors, it's a lot harder to actually play the game. So, uh, David's suggestion to play this monocolor black deck or his, uh, other monocolor black deck or, um, (laughs) his other monocolor black deck, (laughs) this all works well, right? I, I do have one of each color, uh, all based upon the themes of those particular, particular colors. Like I have a red chaos deck, a green, a green, everything gets big fast deck. But I, I like I think the monocolor decks for me, it just it means I can play. I don't have to wait for that second yes, or third exactly. color. I don't have to, I don't have to wait for that second blue in order to play like you know a counter spell or something like that. Like and, and I find and I don't know why it happens to me. I find that I either don't draw lands or I draw too many of the same color. Yeah. And I'm just like I'm only kind of playing the game halfway with part of my deck, and and that frustrates me to no end. Was it C14 or C15 that had the five monocolor deck? Uh, because those were all really good, solid introductory decks. Uh, the five monocolor precons that were there, they all play. Those are 14. Yeah, C14. I think those decks are both strong enough to stand up against uh, most generic low-powered metas, and they're also really great teaching tools to just help you play the game and understand the format really well. And right. um, I, I highly recommend it. I agree those. with that. And uh, listeners, especially new players, when we refer to C1415, we're talking about right, the Commander 2014-2015 products that Wizards of the Coast uh, that Wizards of the Coast releases. Yeah. They're um, getting hard to find nowadays on the shelves. Yeah, the, old the older ones. ones are a lot harder, but hopefully they'll do more anthologies so we can see some of them uh, come yeah, back into will. circulation. Um, cool. So when you when you are selecting a commander, you know you're thinking about fewer colors. Uh, we generally suggest two color because that gives you a little bit of variety, mm-hmm. and um, then you want to pick one that suits your style. And just arbitrarily, without going into all the terminology that's associated with it, uh, uh, I kind of put in the show notes here that we're referring to decks that use the, or a style that prefers. Say violent gameplay, which is like creatures <laughs> and breaking stuff and tearing attacking. things apart, lots of attacking or spell mastery, and especially if you're a magic um, player or a reincarnated magic player, then spell mastery means you're going to rely a lot more on spells to do your bidding, such as stealing people's creatures. Um, <laughs> you know, I still haven't built a spells-based commander deck. Like, every deck I build always ends up being, for some reason, mm-hmm. aggro mm-hmm. token form. Maybe I'm just a, a very archetypal person. Once you've built your deck, uh, or even you're, you're driving somebody else's deck, play a few games with it, learn what it is that you like about the deck, and then tune things in and out. And then later on, switch decks. And do that. <laughs> what I like to do, if I can interject, I give other people my decks... To see what they do with it. And more often than not, they'll do things that I wasn't even aware, especially if you give them to an advanced yes. player. Uh, I've, I've seen some of my decks win in ways that I've never imagined possible. Okay, we took a little break there to do a little bit of planning because we realized that this topic, as we suspected, is a lot larger than one show. So, David, would you be willing to come back and record with us again? And we'll do at least a part two, maybe even a part three, based on how much we have here. I I would love to. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Were were you expecting more there? Not really. If it means spending more, if it means spending more time in the in the company of you fine gentlemen, then then sure. I don't know if you noticed, <laughs> but we we tend to get distracted and laugh a lot. So, a smidge, a smidge. Okay, gents. We apologize for uh, basically not not scoping this appropriately. <laughs> and David, to make up for our lack of uh, planning skill, we have prepared a game show, and by we I mean. Sean has prepared a game show. It's a brand new game 
and uh, it we're going to try it's got it a out. Name. It's called EDH Wrecked. um the rules are very simple we're all playing against each other i've picked a popular commander often a commander that people will say ah that deck's solved all those decks that run that commander are the same you're each going to take it in turns uh, starting with our guest david to tell me a card that is in EDH Rect's most average deck build of that commander. If the card is in the deck, we move on to the next player. As and, soon as you get one wrong, you're out. And Sean, this is something you're drawing from EDHREC.com, also one of the resources we were going to talk about a little bit later that new players Indeed. should be using. Indeed. Um, and they'll see... This game just shows me how easy uh, and helpful EDH Rec is as a resource for new players. So this is, I've created that. The commander for this round is Meron of Clan Nel Toth. <laughs> that is, uh, I should probably read it for new players. She is a legendary creature, Human Shaman. She's two, a black and a green for a three, four Human Shaman. Whenever another creature you control dies, you get an experience counter. And at the beginning of your end step, choose target creature from your graveyard if that card's converted mana cost is less than the equal less, bleh, less or equal to the number of experience counters you have, you may return it to the battlefield. Otherwise, put it in your hand. And she is a mighty commander. She was on track to being the uh, most popular commander until Atraxa came out. Beaten by Atraxa, yes. Yep. And, uh, so EDH, yeah, she got knocked off the... Her and Aloro were dueling for first base for a long time. Yeah, Aloro uh, was anyway. number one for a long time, and then Marin was, was reaching for it, but Atraxa came along. So yep. the order is going to be David first, Shivam second, Phil last, because I'll, Phil is our reigning game champion. Woohoo! I don't not often I get to say that. <laughs> that uh, I'm embarrassed. I'm um, embarrassed. The only rule is the card. I need the card's name, and the card cannot be Meron of Clan Neltoth. Oh, and uh, and how many wrong do we get before we're eliminated? Um, well, I was going to do it. You get three, but as um, there's three players, I think you can get two wrong. Two, two. So once you get your second one wrong, you're out. And once we guess, then it moves to the next person. Correct. Okay. Okay. So we'll start with you, David. Uh, And lands are included, right? Lands are included. Well, in that case, forest. Forest is in the deck, (laughs) yes. I don't want to be the first one out. Um, Shivam. I would say swamp. Swamp is in the deck. That is correct. How did you guess that? Phil. Skill. Skill. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to bring some actual skill to play here and say Sakura Tribe Elder. Sakura Tribe Elder is in the deck. Yes. Woohoo. So now we're back to me? Yeah. Yes, David. No more forests or basic lands left for you. uh, (laughs) Well, I was actually talking about this deck before. And one card I think is going to be in it still is Acidic Slime. Acidic Slime is in the deck. That is a Shiva. good card. Um, let's see. In Marin. Marin's all about pitching cards to the graveyard. Or getting them back from the graveyard. Um, I would say Overgrown Tomb. Overgrown Tomb. Going down to the Jewel Lands there. Is in the deck, mm-hmm. Phil. Um, I am going. Oh, to sorry. Say... I should add in another rule. If you uh, even by accident repeat a card that's already been said, I'm afraid that counts as a loss. Oh, very good. Yes. Um, For you'll just keep saying swamp. <laughs> 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 sorry. Carry on, Phil. Um, I am going to say soul ring. Soul Ring is in the deck, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> now that I'm going to go for Swift Foot Boots. Swift Foot Boots is not in the deck. Oh, oh. What? oh. Things return to the 
Battlefield at the end of the turn, so I guess haste isn't that important, is it? Mm. Okay, Damn. well, let's see. I would have guessed that. We're talking the average, and we're talking about uh, you want a thing that dies and comes back that would give you value when it comes back. So I'm going to go with uh, old sad guy, uh, Solemn Simulacrum. Solemn Simulacrum is in the deck. Boom. <laughs> yeah, you heard me. You did. You said you said boom. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with a Golgari classic and say Deathrite Shaman. Deathrite Shaman is in the deck. There's no well, shame in that. Uh-huh. Hey. Put <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mr. Uh, no pressure now. If you good. get this one wrong, you are out, though. <laughs> oh, th- thanks, thanks. Uh, green ramp, birds of paradise. Birds of paradise. That is a bold statement. I'm afraid it's not in the deck. Oh. Oh. Okay. So Bye-bye. maybe next you two episode. playing on two lives. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, Shivam. I don't want to say I'm going to crush you, Shivam. Good, because you're not going to. Um, I just didn't want to say it. <laughs> uh, how about Old Fleshy, Fleshbag Marauder? Fleshy, Fleshbag Marauder is in the deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You pitch your dude, put him into the pile. Well, I am going to go with what I know best, um, and that's the uh, Yavamaya Elder. Yeah, my elder is in the deck. Yeah, yes. well done, Phil. Nice. Um, okay, let's see. How about Crosen Grip? Crosen Grip. Every Everyone green deck needs to have a split second artifact or enchantment killer. Well, many decks do. Yes. Uh, so I'm just going down to my instance. It is not in the what? Oh, yeah. What kind of average deck doesn't have this? But one that uses creatures as its spells. It's it's one that uses. This is my guess. Reclamation Sage. Reclamation Sage absolutely is in the deck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shivam, one life left. If you lose this, Phil wins, and he hasn't lost a life. Uh, Golgari Charm. Golgari charm. No, I mean the 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 rock, the rock, not the charm. I'm afraid I have to accept your first answer, which is Golgari charm. <laughs> Signet, not charm. Damn it. Golgari charm is ah, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Jammy sod. <laughs> wow, Phil. Um, I am going to say every deck needs uh, defense of some sort, so I'm going to say abrupt decay. Abrupt Decay. It's a good expensive card. Now I've found on these average decks the expensive cards often get left off. Abrupt Decay is not in the deck. We're down (laughs) to Sudden Death, gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? Sudden Death. If you Mm. get it wrong, the other person wins. Oh, damn it. Um, Hmm. Okay, so let's see. What would be in a deck that wants to get creatures into the graveyard and then bring them back. Um, let's see here. I'm going to guess since Abrupt Decay is not there, how about Abrupt Decay's little brother, Putrefy? Putrefy is in the Yes! Oh, yes! oh, the pressure. <laughs> yes! <laughs> All right. I need, I need a moment to breathe. Um, so I am going to say... Golgari Signet. Golgari Signet. What Phil was, uh, what Shivam, sorry, was going to choose before, <laughs> is in the deck. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Um. Let's see. Goes to the graveyard. Comes back from the graveyard. I really want to build a Marin deck. Actually, this deck looks super fun. Marin decks are a blast. Um. What else would you put in this deck? Uh, Ashnod's Altar. Is he? A- Ashnod Zulta is your answer. Ashnod Zulta 
is in the deck. Oh, it's one of my favorite on. cards of all time. Um, Back on you, Phil. I'm going to say I'm gonna I'm gonna do one of my favorite Golgari cards, and you'll understand instantly why. It's the Karozda Guild Mage. Karozda Guild Mage. That's the That's one you can sack a creature K, for lanes, Yeah. Karozda Guild Mage. Please. Is not in oh, the deck. Ah, she got you. wins. Wrecked. Wrecked. How is um, that just, not in the deck? What is. EDH Wreck is ruining everything. <laughs> <laughs> a few uh, highlights that neither of you said, or sorry, none of you said, there's three of you. Uh, nobody said Eternal Witness. Nobody said oh, Merciless Executioner, which is a functional reprint of Fleshbag Marauder, which was said. Yeah. Nobody said Sadisi Undead Vizier. And nobody said Terastodon. Well, Nessie's going to be my next guess. Oh. Yeah, I was going to start going into the big ones. There must be Avenger of Zendikar in there, too. Avenger of Zendikar is in there, yes. Um, a, f- a couple of classic uh, spells that you missed. Birthing Pod, nobody See, got Skull Clamp. See, I was worried the Pod was too expensive. Nobody got Skull Clamp, which is the ultimate card drawer in a sacrifice-based deck. Fair. Nobody got Dictate of Erebos or Grave Pact. Oh, God. Yeah. But I got and none of you. None of you went for the obvious um, lands like High Market or Bajuka Bog or Command Tower or... Well, we got caught up in the real cards in the deck, right? So it was just like... And we got ridiculed for choosing the lands. Fair. (laughs) Yeah. If Phil ridicules you, just you let that go. (laughs) Uh, And of course... Nobody picked Grey Merchant. Nobody picked a Jared Golgari Glitch Grey Merchant doesn't feel like it would fit in this deck. It feels like it's not enough. No, play. it does. Oh, uh, coming back into play every turn and kicking off. Yeah, every... Coco Show belongs. Merchant. Yeah, Coco Show is actually not in the deck. What? In the average deck, weirdly. But um, wow. Yes. Anyway, what a good champion. Maybe we can play again next time we record with yeah. David. That could be a lot of fun. Let's come back to part two. Yep. Okay, so yeah, we'll hear more of that when we come back to part two, and we will have the opportunity to dethrone Shivam. Uh, <laughs> so we skipped calling out our patrons because we were just flowing right into the show there, and it just felt right. But this week we are, as usual, calling out three patrons. So we have our first patron is Josh Hall Bachner. Then Kyle Buller and Jacob Andresen. Uh, I would have to leave that to our Scandinavian uh, oh God. pronunciation expert. Oh, God, no. Please, no. We have our... Um, I'll, I'll liaise with our official Scandinavian ambassador, Robin, and uh, find out. I'm sure it's Andresen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, we thank you very much for your continued support. It's wonderful. And we actually couldn't do the show um, without your support. So thank you very much. And speaking of which, David, thank you for your support. This show would not have happened without you. Literally. I have been listening to you with within, I'd say, after three months of starting to play, that's when I started listening to you guys. Woohoo! Wow. Well, uh, and you still play. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why are you still here? <laughs> wow. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm super glad you found us i i don't know how you did but that's that's great and not just because you uh told us uh you you donated enough to tell us to cover on this episode and apparently at least the next one yeah well spent yeah i really appreciate that and it's just fun to talk with you and you're in the patron chat group because of course you're a super patron there and we interact with you a lot and we appreciate it Thank you. We have this patron chat group listeners, and you've probably heard of this before, but for those of you who haven't, we'll occasionally go into the the patron chat group on Facebook and just ask people for help on the show notes. And the most painful part of it up until a few months back was 
I'd come in like a day or two later and I'd, I'd scroll back sometimes and I'd see David say, ah, like, you know, I missed it. This was like two days ago and I missed it. How do I, how do I do this? So we've started now notifying David specifically <laughs> when we ask questions <laughs> of our patrons so that he can at least see it on his phone or wherever it is he gets his uh, Facebook I've, chat. I've actually seen those. Thank you. Yeah. And- <laughs> Lucky patrons in that group get to hear some of my avant-garde guitar music that I've started posting up there. Yeah, that was pretty neat. (laughs) Listeners, you rock. Thank you for hanging out with us for as long as you have. Um, This is a a great show we think will help new players. And David, you, you were spot on when you suggested this. It was nearly a year ago to our shame, but um, we finally got to it. And thank you again for your support. How can people find you if they want to talk to you about new player questions? Actually, it might be hard. Uh, I don't usually use most of the social media platforms, but I suppose if they wanted to become a patron, they could talk to me on the Facebook, uh, the Patreon chat group. <laughs> oh, Good look answer. at that. <laughs> oh, I approve of this so much. That was well done. Well <laughs> yeah, done. Well done. <laughs> Smooth. Um, so, yeah, listeners, all you have to do is join at the uh, $10 per episode or greater level, and uh, you, too, will be able to talk to David. Um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so, David, we have this tradition where we ask our guests, and, of course, you are an esteemed guest, to take us out. Commander in, not always accurate, but always entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> he put on his radio voice. Did you hear that, guys? <laughs> I did, actually, too. <laughs> Quick, um, quick roundtable question. Not no anecdotes. Just quick, far answer. What was the first commander deck you brewed that wasn't a precon? Mine was Lazav Demir Mastermind. Phil, mine was the Mimeoplasm. Even though it comes in a precon, I didn't know that. Didn't have the precon, and I built around it. Um, mm-hmm. Mine was uh, Grimgrin. Nice. Oh no, the first one I ever built was actually Tajik. It was Tajik. Uh, the and then the second one I built was Grim Grin. I was trying for, to build. For, um, okay. The, That's okay. Yeah, no, no anecdote. Stopping, stopping. Rain him in, rain him uh, in, David. But yeah. that's. It's good to understand. This is a lovely I anecdote. Like oh, that <laughs> is. Ooh, my foot. <laughs> I have an anecdote about this. I am not going to share it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, half of this podcast is just raining me in. <laughs> <laughs>